DPR 96.3, your favorite trans-dimensional radio station. Knock, knock, who's there? Why, it's the Brotherhood of Evil, an empire of crime. But do not fear, do not lose heart, because you won't be alone in your lonely room. Now we're gonna sing and dance ourselves dizzy here on Doom Patrol Radio. Uh, ready to rock and roll when you are, Nate. Rocking and rolling, rocking and rock, a rolling, rocking and a rolling, rocking and a reeling. Baba rant, ba 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 rant. That's a real song. <laughs> it's a good song, is it? It's like a sock hop song, huh? I I dig it. Well, welcome back, nobody, to your favorite Doom Patrol radio podcast. This side of the painting, my name is Mark, and my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about Evil Patrol. Episode 9 out of 10. It is the penultimate patrol episode for season 3. And today's episode is directed by no one else but Rebecca Rodriguez, who directed last week's episode. So we're continuing that pattern of directors directing two episodes at a time for this season. Uh, But today's episode is written by Eric Deedle, who wrote Sex Patrol. And man, uh, (laughs) hats off to you. Yeah, love, 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 love it, love it all. Uh, love Nate, your mind. How, how did you feel about today's episode? It was great. It was honestly one of my favorite episodes ever, and um, <laughs> I didn't want to like lead into that, but it's like it's, no, it's almost. Uh, it really was. It honestly, yeah. like all around, I felt so uh, at home. Everything just like was fitting all into place of my idea of like Doom Patrol and everything, because it wasn't as you know wacky or crazy as like some other episodes or anything not saying that that's a bad thing i'm just saying this like felt more streamlined doom patrol in my mind um maybe it's because we have such a big presence of the brotherhood of evil here and it is literally leading into a story that you and i have been speculating for you know two seasons (laughs) yeah Uh, so like it definitely feels uh home home base you know yeah i gotta say this episode went by so fast by the time mm-hmm. i realized it was ending it was it was ending it, it did was not like, feel like an hour no it felt so short i was i i thought there was more to come uh and and then as soon as i heard the number at the end i was like oh it must be ending i really don't want it to end because it's i don't know it's it's gonna be one of those feelings when i go into next week's episode it's gonna be the same feeling i had for last season uh, even though we know we're gonna get the ending in, in in this season at least i i think we are um going into wax patrol felt like oh what like there's so much that i'm anticipating to happen and then what was happening in today's episode i just was curious if if it was going to happen in, in this episode or the next one. So it, it does a really, really good job pacing to the point where it makes you feel like it's going to keep going. And then all of a sudden it just boom cliffhanger kind of. Um, and then it goes into next week's episode. So yeah, let's um, let's get into it. It's, uh, it's today's episode is a big feature on Rita Farr versus Madame Rouge. And 
you know what I got to say about it. Uh, it it's, it's exactly, this is how good writing is for TV shows. The way that this episode starts is it starts back in 1917 in the attic where the Sisterhood of Dada um, hang out at the ant farm. And it's Win Everett's character, Shelley Byron, as the fog. It's got Madame Rouge, Michelle Gomez, and Rita Farr, April Bowlby. All three of these, um, pretty much the, the top dogs of the Sisterhood of Dada, are here talking about the importance of art versus who you are and who you express yourself to be. And when Rita Farr, you know, simply she's like, oh, I'm, you know, it's so fascinating that you can transform into whatever you want. That itself is what will be... Uh, spectacular to people and Madame Rouge is saying like no it's it's much more than that it's complicated art is complicated because who I am and what I project is is, could be two different um, uh, uh, signals that you're that you're sending out with what you perform as uh, what you express with your feelings and the more I started to think about it the more it relates to what's going on in this entire episode um, there was over- a line used in that moment that really, really stuck with me, and it was, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, um, something along the lines of, uh, with all, like, the, the terribleness of, you know, life or whatever, there's just those little instances of, of expressionism that you can take in art, and that's what gets you through this thing called life. Um, that hit home real hard, uh, especially being, you know, of the mindset of one to wanting to create and and be in that artistic mindset um hearing someone else tell you that like it's why we do it keep going forward it's uh mm-hmm. very real <laughs> comforting i guess um validating would be the main word <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's it's just what Madame Rouge is explaining to Rita Farr, like it just helps to also paint this picture of what's really going on between Rita Farr and Madame Rouge. As far as when when Madame Rouge says like it's complicated, not everything is is so easily easily simplified. You can't simplify things so much as much as you want to, and that's what's really going on uh, with Rita in in today's episode. She's struggling with being like, no, you're evil. I've been betrayed. I want revenge. You're the bad person. I'm the good person. I'm here to do the good person thing and be the hero in this situation. And that is to get my revenge on you. You're evil. And Madame Rouge is saying that what she said back then, she still meant it, but it just changes over time. Things are complicated. Things are gray. That you know, when they're doing the artistic expression of themselves, you know. Uh, Shelly Byron and Madame Rouge are saying, you know, weapon, not a weapon, weapon, not a weapon. And then you have Rita Farr who's doing her expression, which is love me, don't look at me, love me, don't look at me. That right there is showing one person's expression of two different feelings. And with that mindset, that's something that Rita Farr doesn't understand even now at the present time, where Madame Rouge understands the grayness of everything, even though mm. she's in league with something called the Brotherhood of Evil, which we'll get to, um, it's 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 this complicated feeling that that Rita needs to understand. I think it's also kind of go in line with the the whole idea of expressionism and art and expressionalistic art. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Um, 
weapon not a weapon art is a weapon or can be used as not a weapon um see me or love me don't don't look at me um hell you want to put your stuff out there but you don't want all the hoopla that comes with it or anything like that yeah to each their own um the whole purpose though of of art um weapon not a weapon that's awesome i think that's a really really fun thing to think about um especially in the context of what the sisterhood of dada is doing what dadaism is and the eternal flagellation all of that uh just like the the whole grand idea of expressionalism and and wanting others to express themselves um and the whole idea of it being weapon or not a weapon that seems like that could be a fun conversation yeah it 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 really is i mean it, it affected everyone as we get from philip morris's character uh Silas Stone is that the, the eternal flagellation really did affect everyone. Everybody went through it. They were the all entire stuck world stuck in their mind or whatever the hell happened. Yeah, everyone had to deal with their subconscious, which is a crazy trip. I wish we would I, like. I don't know if there's deleted scenes or anything in in you know DVD Just releases. Someone have like written on a napkin of like some random character dealing with their subconscious, be like, oh well, yeah, no, this is what. This is what Green Arrow was doing at this time, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Dude freaking then, out, like, <laughs> fetal position. <laughs> I mean, like, even Batman would have to deal with his eternal flagellation. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? Can you imagine? Man, I wonder what that's Superman's... gotta be, like, some, like, Zarenara stuff, though. Yeah. Superman would be... That would be sad. Because I, I, I feel like he... I don't know. Maybe there's a power a power struggle there. Like his subconscious is, who knows? That's a good thing to think about. But maybe thinking he, about it, maybe he's people. just cooking shirtless in an apartment, and the world's just on fire around him. He's just like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> Lois is yeah. gonna be home any minute. <laughs> yeah. I, now I think about like deleted scenes. I'm thinking like, okay, maybe seeing the Silas Stone scene of of how he deals with his subconscious that would be kind of cool to see, seeing how it affects. Uh, different parts of the world uh, and then you know Jeremy Carver was talking about last last week's episode subconscious patrol where um, the idea of where K Chalice gets this underground avenue the Sesame Street parody uh, reality in her mind was something that they never showed in in the show at all which is when she used to go to the ant farm I believe or when she was in rehab uh she had to watch a lot of like Sesame Street and stuff like that. So that character knew that as like part of her subconscious because she was always drugged and put in front of television. So um, it was something cool that they kind of take like outside lore that they've created for the show, but it's not in the TV show episodes. So think about it like that. It's like, okay, Silas Stone, we have him here in today's episode explaining that he went through his subconscious uh, trauma. And uh, we're hearing about it in today's episode, even though we didn't see it. Um, which brings us to another complicated matter. I mean, we have so many characters in today's episode who are going through uh, the revelations of, of their subconscious. And, and Cyborg is just Victor Stone now. We've, we've, we've pseudo-removed Cy- Cyborg from his body. Um, but it's very much just Victor Stone on the outside. And 
We have, I, I think, some closure between Silas Stone and Victor Stone about the creation of Cyborg here. And I got to say, it, it is very... You, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, no. but I'll tell you one thing. We got closure for Nathan, for Nathan's <laughs> own mind and how, where Cyborg exists with yeah. his father and everything. Eric, you gave me closure for that. I think that it works. is. I, I think it's the characters putting their cards on the table. Like this is exactly why I created you, and in in other iterations of Silas creating Cyborg, I think it is Doctor, you know, paternal figure where he's like, you know, I'm I'm a scientist. I could bring my my son back, and I'm going to do this because I can. And you know, thinking about this Silas Stone, this one's different. The Silas Stone explains that. He had a uh, traumatic event with a with a personnel that he worked with at Star Labs. Um, they do a great job of, of not getting too in detail with what happened to him, uh, although a lot of people can infer what did happen to Silas Stone. But he felt a loss of strength and, and a great deal of fear has enveloped his life. So when he gets to the point of creating Cyborg for Victor Stone, he doesn't necessarily do it out of wanting to prove himself as a scientist like you would in a classic comic book or Silver Age story. Um, this one is more so out of feeling like it's a necessity, feeling like I need to create a stronger version of myself, which is kind of like what parents do when they have children. It's like, I was going to say you, he lost part of his identity in that moment. And then that identity that he built up is this knight in shining armor identity version of himself. His son turned him into this knight, you know, he called him a security, he called him, he's like, you made me a Star Lab security guard, like, you made me exactly what you, like, your your traumatic experience was, you just made me, like, the, in your eyes, the the super cop version or something, you know, not super cop, bad. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same, it's the same kind of process any parent might go through when they have a kid, and they're like, all right, son, you're gonna play football, because I need you to be masculine, because I, you know, I need you to be big and strong out there and stuff like that. And, you know, you might have a son who maybe doesn't even identify as, as the gender he is, or maybe he does, but he doesn't want to play football. Maybe he doesn't believe in being so masculine is, is something to make up for your, how you feel g- growing up. And that's that's something simpler that you can relate to versus, you know, creating a, uh, an actual cyborg out of your son, be, you know. And it's, it's just... It just it, the root of it is just the necessity that you feel like you need to, you know, make a difference in the world because you can't do it on your own, and 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 forcing your kid to do that it just it just confirms everything we've ever talked about Silas and Victor. It's just like yeah, there's no way around it. Sure, you can do it out of love and all that, but like Victor says, like your your answer is not the solution, especially not for Victor. That's what I've been. I've I, I feel like I've been saying it the entire time, but I never had the. I never was able to show my work of it being like, yes, it's the answer, but it's not the solution. Like it's like I get it. Like I yeah. here's the here's the calculator. Like I got it. There's yeah, the, long division is right too hard. <laughs> I can't do the I can't do the calculations. Like it's all that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it also, was really incredible to see 
that realization between Cyborg and Silas Stone. Honestly, that is, it blew me away. Victor talking to his dad in that manner, um, standing his ground, you know, actually having that identity of Victor Stone and looking at this, if you want to call it a second chance, you know, go ahead and call it a second chance, but it was standing right there in front of him. He was like looking at it. It was, The second chance was right there and him being able to express the want for that to his father and not have something like, you know, not, not be bogged down by, well, you still have the cyborg. You still are cyborg. So you still have to go be cyborg, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the obligation of being cyborg. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's completely gone now. So yeah. I don't know. I think it was just really, it was a big moment it is. for the character it, in my mind as well. It's a big care. It's a, it's a big moment for, for the two characters and, and the relationship, the relationship really it's, it's a big moment for the relationship because it confirms that, that Victor is saying, thank you for saving my life. Uh, but he's also saying that there's a cost. You know, there's there's consequences for what you, you just you, said that. <laughs> you caught that. You caught that so easily. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. There's, you know, he doesn't dismiss the second chance, but he di- he dismisses like, you know, the idea that you had in mind for when you saved your son was to, you know out with Victor Stone and in comes superhero Victor. Like I've created you not only saved your life, but I made you better. And, and, and the definition of better is, 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 you know, is, is what Victor, Victor Stone stands his ground on and says, you know what? Like your definition of better isn't, isn't right. You know, at least not, not to me. And, and, and that's, it's not objective like that. You know, we, we, you, it's, it's amazing. It's a great moment between the two characters. Fantastic performance by Phil Morris. I gotta say that was, and, both and yeah, both yeah. of them really like they do such a great job together. Um, it's I don't see how how they're gonna keep those two in 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 a constant you know with with another season on the way. Like how they're gonna keep that character dynamic going. Um, because every season we seem like we just get more and more confirmation of, of what the relationship between the two is. So I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing how they continue this relationship. I mean, it, I don't. I think it would be wrong to assume that it gets better, because mm. I don't think the reality is that things get better. It's right. just understanding the history of each other and then moving on from there. So it, it works great. They do a great job, and especially with Knowing last that- week's episode. Yeah, I was going to say, knowing that better is something that we're working towards, that's the idea. I think that's, that's, as, that's as solid as, as we, can, we can ask for. Because um, we know that there could be better, but it just doesn't happen. you got to work for it. And I really think that's what all of this is about is it's, this show is putting in the work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there is no just like happy ending rainbow and stuff like that. We actually have to see the work being put in. Let's talk about another father and child relationship, and let's talk about what's going on with Larry Trainer and this space amoeba, uh, a negative space amoeba. Nate, what's going on with this character? This is Keegan. <laughs> yeah, right. Why did right? they? Wh- we got the name Kigaboo. That's Kigaboo. straight up. It's 
this is it. This is an alien entity. This entity is feeding off of all of the negative energy around everybody. And it is getting stronger and growing. As um, soon as they said that. This is straight up the like beginning of what I felt was the beginning of the uh, Gerard Way Doom Patrol yes. run and Larry Trainer and that version of Larry Trainer. Um, if the Hawaiian shirt wasn't a dead giveaway, um, the whole energy that is affecting this uh, sp- space parasite pupa uh, thing. Anyway, it's yeah. uh, it's an alien. And it's 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 affected by the negative. Uh, it's affected by everything. I'm sure just the negativity is just the stronger emotion. Um, or is it feeding off the negative energy? Feeds off of everything, but then the negative stuff, I believe, is just more powerful. So it kind of has some, you know, kickback. Um, or there's just so much negative energy around the Doom Patrol that it's just overloading at points, you know? Yeah, so it, it is a parasite, because I think that's the thing we need to clarify. Is it a parasite? It is a parasite feeding off of the negative energy of the Doom Patrol in Larry Trainer. Hmm. This one, this is the weird one, yeah. This is the one that I think about most is like, because everyone has this arc that's been going on. We have Rita Farr's arc. We see like, kind of like the end game for these characters but now it seems like we've it seems like season 3 started with an end game for Larry Trainer and now we're in this whole new arc of this space amoeba. So like there's this is like a brand new road out of all the characters mm-hmm. that I have no idea how they're going to spin this because the thing that they do so great in this show is they take the essence of all these characters. They don't really redo storylines that much. I mean they kind of did in season 1, but in season 3 they've taken you know the the brotherhood of evil the sisterhood of dada you know space amoeba gerard way stuff and they're not redoing the stories they're just taking those elements and then making a whole new new adventure that just involves the characters so you have the space amoeba who's a parasite that is feeding off the negative energy of the entire doom patrol and mostly negative man that's how it got here. So does it grow to be a bigger deal? Like, does it become like how it looks in Jarred Way, where they're like these humanoid-looking aliens? And, you know, what happens with that? Like, where do we go from there? Does it become an antagonist? Does it become part, part of the negative man uh, ability with, you know, when the Doom Patrol actually decides that they're going to have an action scene which we got one in this episode we'll, we'll get to that one soon but uh <laughs> you know it's very where, interesting where do we I go don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know i'm um kind of taking it step by step with, with with larry and what this parasite is but i'm i'm thinking that it's just going to evolve obviously uh in a way that that I think is the end game. I think is going to be a negative ent- entity, like we saw in season one. Um, yeah, and then I think the further end game of that is going to be like a Rebus type. Um, uh, what was her name? Vostok, Valentina Vostok type deal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like that's so like that's like the 
end all be all, I think. Um, but we still have to work our way up. I, hey, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just curious. excited. I'm pretty sure this is just Parasite. It's got Keegan. We got it. And aliens, man. I'm curious if if the if the if the Parasite is still the negative spirit from season one, season two. It's just somehow uh, incubate incubated itself or fertilized yeah. itself. In, I think into... I think you're right. I think it's like the same entity, just uh, in a different form, and it's just helping Larry work through whatever the hell he's got to work through. Hmm. Maybe it doesn't like negative energy, and that's instigating problems and it's still the negative spirit because that negative spirit didn't like the negative energy i i really have to think about it but uh I'd, i'm willing to bet it's the same spirit mm-hmm. um uh, but the, the wardrobe larry trainer is wearing in today's episode the baby bjorn the hawaiian shirt that i want to see in cosplay conventions i saw yeah. a lot of larry trainers this halloween a lot of negative man cosplay I want to see. I want to see that negative man. I want to see the Hawaiian shirt with the shades, especially if you can rock the pointy sunglasses from Gerard Way. I mean, Ooh. I already got them. Let's work on it. <laughs> you better do it. I'm All sure right. you got a um, bunch of Aloha <clears throat> shirts. <laughs> One thing I did want to mention is that um, the way that towards the end of the episode, it did have Larry, and they were all on the bus. Um, the way that Larry was talking to Rita. Um, was so like the way that everybody was talking to each other in that whole scene but the way that larry was particularly talking to rita of like you know pretty much like fess up tell everybody the truth was so like a solid friendship partnership way that they were speaking to each other it was such an understanding of of just two people two people that have lived lifetimes together um it just felt great i think like all throughout this episode Everybody seemed at, in in the right place. I don't know how else to explain that. Everybody meshed so well together. It did feel like the Doom Patrol. Everybody was just on the same page with each other, you know? It felt like everyone knew, like, uh, actors playing characters that know the other characters. Like, they all know each other before pre-subconscious patrol right so they're they're all like aware of how each one of them used to be and so now you have all these characters who are used to be comfortable with the old versions of these characters now having to deal with the new versions of each character it it was a it was really heartbreaking because you have you have the relationship between cliff and, and and crazy jane and then now you have relationships between uh, uh cliff and rita and 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 rita and and crazy jane uh, kate chalice and, and victor stone and and you know what is the old relationship between larry trainer and rita far like now because that was the oldest one that was the one back in season two we were like oh my god this relationship's the best these guys are so great together i yeah. love seeing rita and larry and then you get to today's episode and she's packing her things, and she's like, "I lived a totally different life. I'm a I'm a different person than than the last you time we met." You are strangers to me. And it's like, this is heartbreaking. Yeah. Out of all the out of all the things going on, this is the one that hurts the most. Is that she's right. like, "All right, see you, whatever, Larry. Uh, I'm gone now." And but it's, on the same side, we get a little bit before that when Victor gets back after his procedure and and surgery and all that stuff, and they're all like, "We like, like, oh, you don't have powers. Like, what are you doing here?" He's like. 
because I live here. It was so real and it felt so comforting to me personally embracing the idea that cyborg belongs in the doom patrol that set it in stone i don't know if it hit you that hard but when he said that in like such the real demeanor of just like yeah i i live here guys what do you mean what am i doing this is my i got a room idiot like (laughs) i'm still a part of here we're still a family yo like we're in this together we belong here it's see, felt like they, so good. I, they they questioned it. Like, what are you still doing here? Like, the feeling that the Doom Patrol have to Victor Stone, where it's like, what are you still doing here? Is it a feeling? I feel like it's both. But is it a feeling that you aren't part of the crew? I think it's a feeling that that they think Victor thinks that he's better than them. In in their mind, Cyborg is still Justice League. Uh, yeah, you know, Justice, League, Justice Junior League. Justice League. So they're like. What are you still doing here? Like, you got better things to do. You've been, you know, complaining about being a cyborg and being half a metal man for all this time. You finally get it off and you come back here. Why don't you just go and do what you said you were going to do and live your life like a real person? Oh, you didn't want that? Okay. Like, then don't complain about being a cyborg, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. And- it, it felt more so like a, we know that you want to you think that you're better than us. You want to do other things, you know, outside of here. So you're f- now free of that. You're not a freak hiding in a mansion in the woods. Go out and then be a normal person. And it's more, I think it is more of a, it comes from love. <laughs> it comes out of you love. You think so? It's like, yeah, it's, what are you still doing here? Like you, you're, I'm jealous of you. You just fixed yourself. You got the restart. I mean, Cliff said the same thing to him. He's like, you just restarted everything. Go yeah. out and live your life. Why are you back here with us miserable freaks? Well, oh, yeah, you still Cliff, are a miserable freak. Okay. <laughs> with Well, see, I, I think Victor stays out of, out of love, but I, I do think Cliff is, Cliff is different where he, he's not so much like, what are you doing here if you don't have power? Like, because Rita Farr is like, if you don't have powers, what are you doing here? Yeah, but I think Cliff Steele is thinking, so. like, you know, if you're cured, you don't have to be in this asylum, you can leave, you're 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 checked out, you can go yeah. and be part of the normal world again. Uh, maybe not so much Kate Chalice because Kate Chalice is, you know, even this is going down an underground, if you will, rabbit hole. Um, but switching over to Kate Chalice and thinking like, okay, you're like a really old person now, but you also have the mind of an eight-year-old child and you think you're better now and you're normal, but you're not. So you have to stay here. I think she's, she's closer to, you know, being cured as well, but, uh, in the right ways. That's that's the other one that I had a, a big question mark for in today's episode, mm-hmm. um, because I have no idea what's going on. I I you and I have been talking about okay maybe the personalities are going away because she is healing as uh, you know that's what we've been talking about this entire season is like okay is healing personalities go away, but in today's episode it's like are they gone? There's a there's a suspenseful creepy factor that's going on and I. I don't know if the daddy figure is still an issue in today's episode. I don't know if it is either, but uh, we had a speculation last week of uh, Dr. Harrison possibly using persuasive power on Kay. Um, One, I don't know if that's a possibility, but it could be. So I think I'm still in that boat. I think 
I think somewhere Dr. Harrison probably put the idea like inception wise into Kay's head of being like, you can do this. You, you, you're you cured. You can be on top. You can take care of all this stuff. And I think Kay's mind is uh, going along with that and cascading in a, in a way of, of locking everybody up and saying, okay, I don't need you anymore. Essentially putting your toys away um, and growing up. There's the allegory. Um but I don't think uh, I, maybe Kay's not ready for that type of type of deal. But you know, I could be talking out my ass. I don't know. Um, definitely suspenseful stuff happening in the underground. I still think Doctor Harrison has something to do with it. I, th- I think um, so too. Yeah. Side note: uh, Jane was wearing a uh, a Vampire Wives T-shirt in the beginning. I, I was think. looking at the shirt. That's like really. a two hundred dollar T-shirt. <laughs> It's studio budget, man. They said we need I, this It's shirt. like, oh, oh, okay. You got a vampire. Okay. You got a, you want to throw on a dress later on? Or what's the deal? What kind of budget are you working with? <laughs> They're probably, um, like, yeah. They but yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Um, I am worried for uh, the personas. I'm, I, it, I, something that they mentioned in today's episode for the first time, I think we have confirmation because I don't know if we ever had confirmation before, but crazy Jane doesn't have powers. Uh, she says it herself. She says, I don't have powers. I don't know where the other personalities are. Uh, and, and I've always thought about this. Like she doesn't have powers. What is her power? Uh, what is, what the hell happened at the end of the episode there? See, well, you got me. She does. You got me, pal. So we, we got confirmation of some sort of power that was emanating from Kay Chalice, Crazy Jane. You've got me, man. That was the way that this episode, like when I tell you that this episode ended in such a way that I was just like, oh, it's ending. I thought something was happening with Kay Chalice. I was like, okay, what's what's going on? Are we getting a reveal of Dr. Harrison? Is something going on in here? And then it ends like that. And then the big number with, with, with Brain it's like, oh, you're going to end the episode here. Like, I got to wait till next week for the season finale to find out what's going on with Crazy Jane. Just when we spent all this time in season three going, oh, you know, these people are taking a- another step forward. They're not they're not getting from point A to point B just yet. They're going to like A.2, you know, to A.3. Like, they're taking one step at a time. I mean, you and I, like, I've been convinced that like, oh, K, uh, K is healing and Crazy Jane's time is running short, and then now this happens, and I'm like, "Oh man, is is it, or you know, is something else going inside of uh, going on inside of her?" Because we've had Miranda and 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 the daddy figure, and, and all these other things have been going on in the underground, uh, including the candle maker who really shook things up down there, and Kay, uh, Crazy Jane had to reestablish herself as the primary. Uh, and so now this, it's like, is it the same stuff we've been dealing with? Um, because I mean, that, that is trauma. We we deal with it over and over again. It's just how we get through life, but it's, I don't know. (laughs) You got me. I'm so confused about what's going to happen with this character because it seems, it seems regressive. Uh, but I, not, not that that's a bad thing. I just, it just feels like it. Um, trials and tribulations it's uh you know and the you know, road maybe, gets bumpy maybe it's not supposed to be easy for k maybe it is just like hey this happens you're gonna, you're gonna be the one up top 
Who said anything was easy? Exactly. Especially life. Especially someone with, like... Especially dealing with personality disorder. Mm-hmm. That's not easy, um, I imagine. And I guess that has to be because you have the first episode where Kate Chalice goes up top. She steals the bicycle and all these things. She's like, oh, yeah, life's great up there. I'm glad I finally got to do that. And now you're like, okay, being upstairs actually kind of sucks because you are dealing with the real world. And you can't just go to your room and close the door and, and shut yourself off. Like Those people up there really do deal with it. Um, and if you're going to be this whole person again, you've got to like, you know, deal with it the way these people have been dealing with it their entire lives. So, um, it's, yeah, it stays maybe on. K. Chalice is not meant to be on the top, and maybe the 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 entity of of that being is supposed to go through life life wearing the many different hats and and putting on the different masks because. Life's a stage, and you just got to go through the motions. And hell, if you have 64 of them, like, you just got to you gotta change them out every once in a while. And, and at least you got 64 because you can deal with different situations and, and wear a different mask and adapt. Um, Which, hell, maybe Crazy Jane's on, on, the, uh, on the up and up. Maybe, maybe up she's and up. better yeah, than all maybe of us. Yeah, because everyone else is doing it, right? Everyone else, yeah. everyone else is wearing a mask. I mean, that was the, the whole eternal flagellation, all those... Um, bird faces those dada birds they were they were everyone else's mask and they were everyone else's cover-up of their subconscious and so yeah maybe everyone has their own crazy jane who's their primary in the face of the outside world and so yeah you could be right totally um we all do it we all change our personalities to uh adapt to adapt the, yeah adapt to the world exactly um we we got okay uh this is uh cliff Steele's arc in today's episode and it starts out it starts out the way i expected it where it's like oh, okay he needs some actual help with his 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 mind you know we're, we're dealing with the repercussions from the eternal flagellation and subconscious patrol and clara comes into the picture in today's episode and the best thing that happened between the two characters there is she confronts Cliff Steele about his problem with this medication. But then at the end of it all, she's like, I want to schedule you a, a doctor appointment with a real doctor to really get this fixed. That right there, when I saw that happen in today's episode, that's when I was like, this is the best. This is the best thing that could happen for this character. I hope this character is very excited. And it, it seemed like this character is genuinely happy that this was the reaction because... In last week's episode, you're thinking, oh, okay, she's caught him with the gambling and the medication, all these kind of problems that, that have been uncovered by the eternal flagellation. And so you're thinking, okay, he's barred from seeing Rory, he's barred from seeing Clara, and, and all these things that, that he struggled to, uh, to, to recapture in his life to prove that he can still feel something. Um, and, you know, you're expecting the deal to be broken between the two. But then she's like, no, I want to schedule you a doctor's appointment. Like I'm, I'm still trying to fight for your life here because you're my father and I do love you, but you've got some serious problems. Like to me, that was like, hell yes, that is what should happen. You can be upset with your family members, but you try not to give up on them. Right. So absolutely fantastic. Start of, of today's uh, cliff 
cliff arc. It's a he has a it takes a turn here in a bit, but uh, yeah, what did you think about Cliff Steele in this one? I thought it was great. Um, there's towards the end was more of my speed of a Cliff Steele arc, um, but the fact that Clara did come back and wants to help that is big. That is big. Cliff needs to see that as well. He needed to know that Clara wanted uh, to help him and help him get better. Um, even after all his, his fuck-ups and, and what he did, it's still, you know, that, that family love um, that just that feels really good. Um, once the idea, the seed was planted of uh, that could not be Clara, I immediately was i got thrown for a for a loop because i was like oh snap yeah no they're totally right that can't be clara she wouldn't be as uh, understanding she wouldn't come back and just do all this stuff i was like oh yeah totally like <laughs> i bought it <laughs> i bought it because i just i don't know and it's it's nothing against anybody it was just more so of uh yeah that's how it's that's how it goes <laughs> i thought th- i thought it was going to be rita ruining the relationship further in some you know, to to help her, like to to get everybody on Rita's side to to help her, you know, take down Madame Rouge. Yeah, I yeah. thought <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, oh no, she's like telling him all this stuff to just like change his mind, so he runs all, away with all them right now and kind of tells Claire to fuck off. Um, but no, yeah, I thought I thought Rita was really gonna ruin the moment. Um, and then as soon as he as he stepped into the kitchen, I was like. It's the baby. It's the fucking baby. Is is that's like just a horror one hundred and one scary movie one hundred and one. It was just like as as soon as I saw the shot of just the baby on the island, I was like, it's the baby. This is how it happens. This is how you ever watch John Carpenter's The Thing. You see it and you're like, it's the dog. It's, it's it was the- a very thing esque. That was that was fun. Um, yeah. It was it was a Noid fight. That's what I'm telling you. That was the Noid running around. <laughs> it was that. the Noid. Madame Rouge was looking like the Noid running around. Dominoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, this, yeah, this is like our first uh, Doom Patrol versus a, a supervillain fight. I think. I don't know if we've had one before. There's really not one for Candlemaker or Mister Nobody because that fight ends with a rat and a cockroach making out. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't ever fight Animal Vegetable Mineral Man. Uh, they certainly don't fight the beard hunter because he got away. Uh, so I think this is their first real fight with a supervillain, and I was not expecting it. Uh, it's a fucking weird one. Uh, and uh, hey, I I I want to see more. I want to see more Madame Rouge shape shifting into different things. I think that'll be really cool. I wonder if we're getting more of that uh, in in next week's episode. Honestly, um, the animation I thought was really fun. It looked, it looked, it looked cool. Um, there was a moment where she was still, uh, baby form, but with a little bit slightly longer, uh, arms and legs. And right before she transitioned into full Madame Rouge, she was like on a pillar on the kitchen, and the camera angle shifted to her, like doing a, a fl- like a kick with both feet. And in that kick, like she grew to the full and like the black dress and everything and like it the transition from the red baby onesie into like the black dress of her real clothes it was really cool looking to me i thought i thought that was a great fight i really did <laughs> they're doing really good fun. stuff with this character i i really even like the part like going back to the beginning of the episode 
where she she calls out Rita Farr and she calls her Bendy. And for the first time, it felt like not her calling her Bendy. Uh, um, it, it almost feels like it established the insult that Madame Rouge would call Rita Farr, like in a comic book, like, listen up, Bendy. You've had all this time to fight me. And it's like not calling her Bendy, like that's her name, but calling her Bendy as like that's the insult that a comic book villain would call Elasta Woman. Like that, just everything that they do with the character uh, yeah. for Madame Rouge, it's like, okay, you guys really are having a lot of fun with this character. So really is. And and the fact that it's like adding in a, a past between the two characters, um, which is another thing that I do want to look out for um on my like rewatch of it all the connecting past that Rita Farr and Madame Rouge have it is very vast 30 years and now that moment of them sitting on that like riverbank or whatever in the forest of them talking to each other monologuing back and forth that really was a big moment that was a big moment between the two characters that have had a big past um and like characters that have had a had a major connection mm-hmm. and using the 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 name Bendy the nickname after regaining all your memories and knowing that Rita Farr is a creation of Niles Calder and all that yada 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 still using that name Bendy did feel like more of a uh endearment term than I don't know. I like I I felt both. I felt the insult comic book wise of of look here Bendy, but I also felt like look here Bendy, we know each other. We're still like we're good. Like that's your nickname. That's what I call you. Yeah. Still. And that yeah, the, everything that happens in that first in that in that initial confrontation in today's episode between Madame Rouge and Rita Far. That's <sighs> That's such a, it was such a good performance. I there, I was like really paying attention to the line delivery April Bowlby was doing as Rita Farr and I was like, "Man, this is like almost heartbreaking between the two characters." Um and they've done a really good job establishing the rivalry between the two characters now. And 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 now that you think about it, it's like you ha- if you were to think about the three core Doom Patrol members, which is like Robot Man, Negative Man and Elastigirl, which is Rita Farr. And you have, now you've established Madame Rouge as the rival to uh, Rita Farr. You, now we're establishing Brain and Monster Mala versus Cliff Steele. And then you have Negative Man and the Bureau of Normalcy, the Ant Farm. So now all these characters, like the, the Silver Age, the Strange Adventures version of Doom Patrol, it's like we really are slowly solidifying the the universe from arnold drake in in this universe here like you have all those antiquated rivalries um that have spanned decades and we've 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 consolidated that through the use of a time machine but you know we're getting there um so it's really cool just seeing all this stuff come to fruition um but yeah, so <laughs> let's talk about the, the 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 boys we've been waiting to talk about for a while. Uh, we've been getting Brain and Monster Mala, the Brotherhood of Evil, uh, a little bit in each episode of season three. What a treat, right? I'm so glad it's not just uh, one individual episode as a one and done, fill in of the week kind of thing. 
uh, Brotherhood of Evil is here. Madame Rouge goes to see them in where else but Boca Raton, Florida. It feels <laughs> like home. It feels like home. Man, I, I I don't know who the voice of Brain is yet. They have, not, they have yet to to credit the character, but I feel like every time I listen to Brain talk, I feel like one day they're just going to be like, and voicing the Brain is something obvious like some actor just gonna be like oh yeah paul shear did the voice or something like that and you're gonna be like oh of course now i hear it right like yeah just jeremy carver voice the brain something like they're gonna it's gonna be something obvious um but man it's so good to see brain like this this physical prop that's like on this fucking roomba (laughs) zipping around the room like these this strip of led lights that they put down this fucking toy looking brain in the case like it it all looks so fucking uh like just old school that i i absolutely love it and then um there's so much we we can talk about brain and monster your mala but yeah go ahead take it take it i want to hear your thoughts on it was fantastic it's (laughs) (laughs) these two characters are something that i could not ask for more of it's anything and everything of the brain and monster mala i'm i'm buying it um i loved it them being retired in in boca raton and and mala making margaritas in the back kitchen with the little 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 window through and him doing the whole no i can't hear you the blender like that's it's so it's so good the fact that that mala just wants to retire with the brain yeah he just wants to live his life he wants to live yeah. their life they want to be happy and they are. And then Madame Rouge is here like, no, we got to do all this stuff. It's like, okay, I get it. I we see why Mala is so upset. Yes. Yeah. Um, everything about it. The fact that, that the brain has these stupid cardboard boxes with just all those like random science, you know, just the, the, the inventions that we talked about, you know, the, the, the elaborate inventions that do very simple mundane things, the big old light switch, these giant whatever, you know? Yeah. I love, I love it all. And the um, fact that they don't work, like she, he was talking, like I, I, I put death rays on, uh, laser beams on the map, and it's like it, it doesn't fucking work. It didn't fucking it's work. It's so good. They're so fun. Um, it's it's it really is a dream come true to see these two characters come to life on the screen. Um, not to mention one of the big, the best storylines that we that you know i've read and everything just the whole idea of the brain wanting to take robot man's body and the whole visual picture that we got of cliff Steele sitting in a chair in a boca raton retirement home you know with 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 his with his top exposed and his brain out there that image is like burned into my brain as something that is so inherently doom patrol that i got to see it in real life and live action here on the screen that is that makes me ecstatic it's just again something that i never thought i would see and it's here i can't mm-hmm. thank anybody you know everybody involved i can't thank you enough for for giving me this i'm so happy um i can't wait to see what happens the brain is surely loving this new body this is great mm-hmm. putting on a record dancing around having a retirement i'm <laughs> happy for them <laughs> <laughs> but is Monsieur Mala happy? That is the question. I don't think so. I um, don't think so. But hey, we'll we'll see what what happens yeah. because I need them both to be happy. <laughs> I wonder if 
next week's episode, I wonder if the season finale for season three is going to give us what could be the best moment in Doom Patrol history, <laughs> at least in my opinion. If I see it happen in next week's episode, I will just be like, this is the best. I want <laughs> We're screen capping it and making it our desktop I will make background. It, I will make it the thumbnail and everything. You give me the best Doom Patrol cell. I hope people know what I'm talking about, but it's one of the best things Grant Morrison ever did for Doom Patrol. So I, I, everything's pointing in that direction. Monster Malaw is not happy about the Brotherhood of Evil uh, bring brought back up again, um, and and even Cl- Cliff Steele being being in the jar, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned everything it. with the writing, the, the yeah. style of writing, everything, all of that. Yeah, that that to me was like, oh, we got Cliff Steele brain in jar, Cliff Steele. Like that to me, like <laughs> it's going to get a crack in the jar, and someone's going to put a piece of bubble gum on it. Like it's. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for it. It's like, yes, give me all of these things that I saw in a comic book. I need to see them in real life. <laughs> I would be so happy, like, if season four, like, Brendan Fraser just voices that brain in the jar. Like, we have no robot man, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, for season four, he's just brain in jar. It's like, that, that to me would be one of the best character progressions for the character. Just, I, I want to see that. I want to see just an entire season of brain and jar robot man and then you could bring in will magnus and the metal men they're like oh we'll make them a new body and it's like boom there you go and they got metal men bring back flux mentalo and all those other uh richard chase uh uh richard case richard, richard chase. case richard case uh comic books that they did together mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's man the things that happen in today's episode with the brotherhood of evil i'm i'm really glad that today's episode, for how quickly it went through, um, I'm really glad it, it, it didn't one and done the Brotherhood of Evil so quickly. You know, like, we've been seeing them piece by piece in, in the season, and I thought it was kind of leading up to this, and that there was going to be some sort of climax with the Brotherhood of Evil, and it would be like, oh, okay, too bad, so sad. But, like, now that it's, like, more so just establishing, the like, the resurgence of, uh, of Brain and, and his quest for power... Sidebar. What's an, oh, they mentioned something about Robot Man's body, which we'll have to get into as well. But mm. yeah, it's it's just like I'm glad that we didn't end today's episode or end the Brotherhood of Evil in today's episode. But I want to yeah. add on to that that mindset right there. The fact that the Brotherhood of Evil like isn't just ended because they did get defeated in the 50s. Like <clears throat> that whole Doom Patrol, Silver Age Doom Patrol defeated the the, the Brotherhood of Evil. I think that it is so cool to just think that in the grand scheme of hero and villain in this world that like it was as camp as it would have been in the 50s and in comic books of this crazy wacky Doom Patrol that defeats the Brotherhood of Evil, Talking Brain and Giant Gorilla in the 50s. All their crazy, you know, technological doohickeys get are collecting dust in a closet somewhere. The fact that they're not like dead it wasn't a big destruction it was just a cat and mouse game of it being campy as shit and then being like yeah i'm done with all that stuff like it's it's come on i just i just want to live my retirement the whole niles calder thing like that's it was in the past that was a lifetime ago we had our fun we we lost i'm just gonna like do my own thing you know i'm doing this now get used to it i think it's so cool to think that there's that like i said they're not just done 
that they weren't just a flavor of the week villain or or idea. They were defeated in the fifties. They were existed all throughout that time. They had their in their prime and everything. They got defeated, but yet they're still here, still causing havoc for the Doom Patrol. That's so awesome. That's a great concept. I I love that concept in anything because we see it in today's episode, but they they do it a lot in other versions of comic books. I mean, look at Watchmen. Watchmen does the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Watchmen is a great example of of villains who've been like, oh yeah, we used to fight the the Minutemen and all this stuff like that, but those days are over. But then once the comedian is killed, Rorschach's like, what the hell are you up to? And all these things like that. And um, you know, people having PTSD of, of times when they used to fight each other like that. But it was it was different back then. But now that the the world is darker, like they, they now look, there's an atom bomb. <laughs> yeah, like. And, and and just like that concept, whether it's, it's it's here in Doom Patrol or it's in Watchmen or even in The Incredibles, a Pixar movie, that that idea of like these superheroes and supervillains getting older and revisiting stuff like that, it's it's that to me is always such a cool concept, and it's not far fetched, you know. Like you're like, yeah, we got our ass kicked by Mento, but we got away, and now we're retired in Florida, and it's like that's awesome. Good on you. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah. And, um, and I cut you off though. You were going to say something. What? Gargoax is the same way. Yeah, Gargoax exactly. It was like, yeah, you know what? We're done. Just pack your things. We're retired. Enjoy the, enjoy the resort. And yeah, like look where I'm at. I have the resort to myself. Like this is, this is it. <laughs> and Billy Boyd was like, what about second brotherhood of evil? Hmm. Hmm. That's a very good joke. <laughs> yeah. Damn right. Um, um, let me look through some of the other characters, but we didn't have any guest characters. That was my thing when I was thinking of writing notes for today's episode. I was going through it and I was like, yeah, you have Phil Morris as Silas Stone and we have uh, 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 Jonathan Lippo as Monsieur Mala. But these are characters we've been seeing throughout the seasons. Um, the big guest character for the season is Michelle Gomez as uh, uh, Madame Rouge, but no guest characters for the, like the first time in what feels like forever mm. uh, in this season. So um, we pretty much hit every character in today's episode. Like I said, this this episode it flew by. Um, what did but, you want to say about the 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 magic infused robot man body? Oh yeah, they so um, Brain was explaining. Well, it seems like again for the first time for us is is, is an understanding that the robot man suit is imbued with magic have we heard this before or is this news to me i don't know if we necessarily heard the robot man body is imbued with magic but all signs point to that when you talk about niles calder and his inventions we had last season with his spaceship it was imbued with magic um when he tries to make a phone call to Willoughby Kipling, it's imbued with magic, even with uh, communicating with Baphomet. There are, like, simple things that involve magic. Um, the uh, the phone booth, and Willoughby opens up the door and everything like that. Um, when Willoughby brings Niles's head back, it's a whatever speaking spell, you know, technological nonsense imbued with magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just an understanding that Niles Calder is a magical tinkerer. Um, but I don't know if we 
even thought to entertain that that idea in regards to robot man's body yeah yeah absolutely oh you know now that i think about it you know we've we've we mentioned will magnus and the metal men um but i guess that's how they could keep silas stone a character in the show is by replacing the will, will magnus, magnus as silas stone tries to create robot man 2.0 and also if he's going to use the nanotechnology you know cyborg is no longer cyborg but he still wants to use that technology. Maybe Silas Stone creates the Metal Men and tries to create his own cyborgs from scratch, and that's how you get the Metal Men. That's something mm. they could do. I mean, you have all the all the bits and pieces right there. No pun intended for robots. But uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> make Robot Man 2.0 with Silas Stone. I think so. you offended a lot of robots with that pun. Uh, <laughs> I think they'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that's, um, I, I hope I'm not missing anything in today's episode because today's episode was fantastic. One of my favorite episodes of this entire show. It really was. Oh, let's talk about the, the needle drop. That's what we should talk about before we wrap up. That was a big one. Um, what was it? Uh, Champs-Élysées, this, uh, French, French love song, right? Oh, Champs-Élysées, whatever the, whatever the French pronunciation is, the Paris song. Everybody knows it. It's the Paris song. Big Now, my, my mindset is, is this a hat tip to painting that stole Paris with Dada? That is good. I didn't think of it like that. I that's mainly I mean obviously the the idea of Monsieur Malah being a, a a Frenchman a French gorilla men <laughs> they're both French they're both French yeah both uh, brain and Monsieur Malah they're both French um so, and it's a French love song and 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 the song was by them it, they the song they have a whole record they have a whole LP or EP they did a cover of it yeah yeah they got a bunch of them. <laughs> Sell that on the DC Comics website. You can buy this vinyl record. And I, I would buy it in a heartbeat. I'd buy it. If it's, I, even if it's just the one. So just a, just an A side. If it's just the <laughs> one song, I would totally buy it. Yeah. Man, because that's, that's romantic to me, you know? it's Especially the song, what it is. It's a love song between two people having the best night of their life in Paris. and And, you know... Brain is living it up in this new robot body. He's dancing with all these senior citizens. But there's no Monsieur Mala. Monsieur Mala is still having to do the dirty work out there. And it's uh, it's bittersweet. So it, it kind of has me thinking about what the relationship is going to be like between the two characters. But, man, it, you know, it's them singing it to each other in that song. It's Brain and Monsieur Mala. I'm sure people can go ahead and look up the lyrics to it. But... Overall, it's just a it's just a romantic love song between two characters, and so you have Brain and Monster Mala, and and that to me, I was I was kind of hoping Monster Mala was still going to be in that resort just watching Brain dance. I thought they were going to be dancing together. I was, but, I mean that's what I would hope, but then he, you know he's not. He's dancing with someone else, and that to episode. me was like, oh, it's my heart is next breaking. It's, the characters have only been here for one season, and I'm already like. Oh my god, my heart! These two characters. <laughs> uh, so, man, I loved it. Um, good stuff in today's episode. Nice, nice jokes, humor all around, and stuff like that. Um, it's just one final note that I want to mention. I'm sorry. Oh and no, this is kind of going back going. just because it was on my mind. When they were in the bus driving to Florida, yeah, um, from Ohio at the end. At the end, and Victor was driving. 
the way that Victor was acting towards everybody in the bus and everybody acting towards each other, that felt like such a family moment. Like, everybody was so comfortable with each other. Victor asking everybody, like, whoa, you guys are jealous of me doing this? Like, you guys lied to my face saying it was a good thing for me. Like, that whole idea of it being, like, a family discussing this like even more the like really close friends being like whoa I thought we were telling each other the truth man like what you're gonna lie to my face what's up with that and not be like immediately oh fuck you guys and like kind of pissed off but like still just like dude what's up like what come on that feeling of a bond was one of my favorite things out of this mo out of this uh, episode yeah it definitely feels like a family that has spent too much time away from each other and so now that they've all grown in different directions you have Rita Farr who's gone on you know the equivalent of going on an art vacation and coming back feeling enlightened and like ask me about my ask me about my trip to Italy oh it was life-changing it's like now you think you're better than everyone because you saw fucking Picasso painting uh you know they have canals they travel through the waterways yeah like she thinks she's so much better now and so you have Ugh. Rita Far in that mindset you've got Larry Trainer who's trying to be a dad again so he's got a kid and he's yeah you know, Larry's got a kid <laughs> yeah Larry's got a kid and Victor Stone thinks he's you know he's 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 gotten he's surgery. Cured. Yeah, he's better now. He's out there. You've got Kate Chalice who's seeing who's getting therapy now. So Kate Chalice feels like I'm I'm ready to be an adult now. They're all looking at and her. They don't like, really know that much of Kay. They're used to Jane. Exactly. And then Cliff Steele doesn't even want to be present because he actually wants to get help. Um, and and that was the other thing in today's episode where Cliff Steele was like, everyone else is getting their time. Why can't I fucking feel special for once? Like. Mm -hmm. Jesus. And that, you know, that's that's the same writing that we've seen Eric Deedle do for uh, Sex Patrol when he was having that same conversation with um, Niles Calder about wanting to be better again. So we're seeing a continuation of that kind of storyline where Cliff Steele's like, yes, I know I've had this history of being a complete asshole for my own enjoyment. But now that I want to get better, I'm denied that kind of uh, respect. So... It's just one of those things where it's it's like it's fantastic. I just it sucks. I I think everyone is upset that each one is starting to do better and needs less of the Doom Patrol, but then they they forget that that's what they wanted in the first place is to not be the Doom Patrol, and that's the sad part. So we'll see. Uh, we'll have to see what what happens next. But yeah, I I enjoy talking about these things with you because like we don't really go through all the little tiny specifics of what happened in today's episode because we saw it together and it's a great time. But having these conversations about like what's coming up next and getting into like, you know, we've read so much Doom Patrol, you and I. So like just having these kind of conversations are fantastic so um if you guys enjoyed our conversations uh let us know talk to us social media facebook twitter at radio doom patrol if you like this podcast leave a positive review and let us know how you feel some people message me on like all kinds of different social media sites and and just it's just great to hear back from people about these episodes and stuff like that so i enjoy having these conversations because um, Nate and I talk about it. That's why we do this show. We, we get to talk about it with each other. So join the conversation. Talk to us about this show because it's, it's awesome. I even got to have a conversation about it with someone at a Halloween party that I had this weekend. So it was like, oh, shit, you watch this show? <laughs> I do a whole fucking podcast about it. Like, I love talking about this 
bonkers fucking show and uh, where it's going to next. Uh, so find us on there. Uh, you can also find us on duelinggenre.com. Uh, they do have a Patreon that supports the network. So if you enjoy our show and want to show support, they've got plenty of merch and Patreon bonus episodes. Nate and I guest on those things all the time. So thanks for checking us out. And without further ado, DJ, please take it away. Plato was the first to make the distinction that the body was simply a vehicle for the mind. But I'm a materialist at heart, and this body is full of marvelous gadgets. Looks like this partnership is reaching its towering pinnacle, so we'll drop bombs next time here on Doom Patrol Radio. Radio.